Hi, I'm Rachel Gazdick, and this is Formative, the podcast where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. Our guest today is Tom Cornish, the Chief Operating Officer for Bank United, one of the largest independent depository institutions in the state of Florida. He also currently serves as Chairman of the Board of Directors of Florida International University Foundation, Chairman of FIU's Wilsonia Museum, and Chairman of the Board of the Miami Children's Hospital Foundation. In 2019, New York Edge presented him with the Gold Star Award for his support of access to education in underserved communities. Welcome, Tom. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Hello there. And my student co-host today is Josh, a seventh grader at MS-175 in the Bronx. Hey, Josh, why don't you tell us something about yourself? I go to PS-175 in the Bronx. I'm in the eighth grade, and this podcast thing is pretty new to me. I just started out podcasting, but I like, I like talking, so I guess this would be a good way to like direct my talking. Are you excited to be speaking with today's guest? Yes, I am excited. All right, well, let's bring him in. Josh, what's your first question for Tom? Well, my first question is, do you prefer to be called Tom or Thomas? Because I know my name's Joshua, but sometimes people call me Josh, so I'm just wondering so we could get that out the way. Yeah, Tom Tom is perfect, Josh. That's, uh, that's great. Since you work with banking and finance and money, do you play Monopoly a lot? Do I play Monopoly? You know, I used to play. Do you play Monopoly? Yeah, I play it at home. Yeah, I used to play Monopoly a lot. And I enjoyed it until my kids started to beat me. And then, you know, once I started to get, you know, beaten a lot, then I didn't play it, you know, quite as much. I play a little bit more chess and things like that, you know, with my son. And I still play basketball with him, although he beats me at that too now. So I'm pretty much getting beaten at everything when it comes to, uh, you know, playing against uh, him. Why, why do you like Monopoly? That's like the, like, um, how you have to like take control of your game, like, strategize with your money, make dis- like financial decisions so you don't go bankrupt and you like win the game. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good reason. It teaches you about finance and it, it certainly teaches you about investing, you know, in the real estate world and, you know, building property and receiving income and having to mortgage property and manage your cash flow and things of that nature. Yeah. I also play chess because it's like a strategy. My mom loves chess. She plays it a lot because she thinks it's strategy and helps out a lot. Oh, yes. Well, chess really stretches your mind in terms of thinking about things far in advance. You know, if you play chess from move to move, you're generally not going to be really successful. You know, you've got to think about chess moves four and five moves out. And I think that it's kind of like business and life in a way. It, It really kind of stretches your thinking capability and gets you to think about things more, more strategically and just kind of executing on a day-to-day basis. So when you were younger, did math have any effect of you becoming a banker when you grew up? Like, does that, did that influence your decision? Uh, no, not really. You know, when I, was, when I was younger, I can't say that, you know, I thought about being a banker, you know, as a young kid. I mean, like most young kids, I thought I was going to you know, play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins or point guard for the New York Knicks or something like that. And, you know, ultimately, when I went through college, I was attracted to the banking industry, not so much because I liked math, but because I liked people. And it always fascinated me, the idea of being able to meet all sorts of different types of people in a job and work with different types of businesses and be able to help, you know, people that were in entrepreneurial 
type companies, starting their own companies, build them, and seeing businesses impact on creating employment and opportunities for others that really kind of charged me up about a banking career. So you said that like you only started to want to do banking through college. So if you didn't do banking, would you have like wanted to play on a sports team like the quarterback, the Dolphins or a point guard the next? Like what, what would you choose besides banking? Yeah, you know, well, I, I didn't have the talent to do any of those other things that I really wanted to do. That kind of became obvious to me at an early stage that that really, really wasn't going to be my calling. You know, I, I would say if I was not in the banking industry, you know, I, I would likely probably be in the finance aspect of something. You know, I, I would still be drawn to the same concept, except just from kind of a different angle. I might be in a business where I was advising different companies on management strategies and philosophies and, and things of that nature. But I think the underlying commonality of what I like to do is be involved in lots of diverse types of things. You know, every day is a little bit different. You know, one day you can be kind of working with a company that's in technology. You know, one day you can be working like, you know, in my dialogues and things I've done with Rachel, you can be working in a not-for-profit enterprise and seeing the impact that they have on a community. Another day you could be dealing with a manufacturing company and you learn lots of different things by being able to, you know, engage with companies or entities that are in a variety of different businesses. How did you get involved with New York Edge? Because you're the CEO of a banking company in Florida. I wouldn't expect you to like end up here. So I'm just wondering, how did you get involved? Well, a couple, a couple different ways. You know, one, while my company is headquartered in Florida, we, we have a significant presence in the New York market. So I'm in you know, New York City in particular, New York City, Long Island and Westchester, you know, I'm in on a you know, pretty regular basis. And prior to the pandemic, I was I was generally one week in Miami and one week in in, uh, in New York. So I have an office in New York and, you know, I've been going to New York City for a very long period of time and have a great love and fondness, you know, for the city. So I, I actually, you know, have a, a good friend who's been involved with the New York Edge for a long time, Francis. And so Francis and I were having uh, dinner one night and we got to talking about New York Edge and sort of my background growing up and kind of what I went through growing up as a kid. And I, I've done a lot of work in Miami in schools and particularly in inner city schools. I went to an inner city school and kind of helping you know, kids think about their future and, and whatnot. And, you know, Francis asked me to, uh, to speak to some groups at New York Edge and become involved. And so myself and the bank, you know, have done a lot with the organization. We're, we're big believers in the organization and, and particularly kind of given my, my background and some of the things that I went through as a younger kid, the work that Rachel and, and her team, you know, do is near and dear to my heart in terms of being able to you know, help kids see their ultimate potential and kind of, you know, move through situations that they face early in their life to ultimately be able to achieve things. So, Tom, I, I, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your schooling journey from um, elementary to middle to high school. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to go through it, Rachel. Thank you for asking. So, Josh, it's a little bit of a long story, but hang in there with me. So I was born in Milwaukee, uh, in Wisconsin, and at an early age, uh, two, myself and two siblings, 
were abandoned. And so we were placed in foster care in Milwaukee, and we spent a couple of years in a foster care environment. And ultimately, the lady that was the superintendent at the apartment we lived in, in, in kind of a, you know, a real dense neighborhood in Milwaukee in a, in a manufacturing district, she had sort of taken a liking to me and she and her husband had applied to adopt me. And so they were given temporary custody of me. And in the, in the middle of the process, now we're talking, you know, like early 1960s, in the process of doing this, he unfortunately passed away from a heart attack. And so she was, you know, she had not completed high school. She really didn't have any gainful employment other than being the super. He had been a conductor for the Milwaukee Railroad. So, you know, they asked that I be remanded, sent back, you know, to the shelter for kids because she was no longer, you know, eligible to adopt me. So she kind of adopted me kind of illegally. And the next day we were on a Greyhound bus together and we left Milwaukee and started a journey through the center of the country. And we moved from Milwaukee to Chicago and Chicago to Indianapolis and Indianapolis to Kansas City and Kansas City to Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City to Dallas. And then eventually we found our way to Miami, uh, mostly because it was warm and she suffered from early arthritis. And so, you know, we finally got here when I was in the um, third grade. My mom worked as a housekeeper, you know, at a, a hotel, numerous hotels in Miami during the time, you know, the two of us were growing up. So we, we lived, you know, in an inner city neighborhood. We lived in public housing. We had a, you know, pretty tough upbringing, kind of going from place to place. We never really had, you know, much. We generally lived in kind of a one room, you know, sort of apartment that we shared like a studio, you know, with like a small bathroom and a small kind of very small kitchen area. So I, you know, I grew up, you know, in a, in a, in a fairly tough neighborhood, probably not too, you know, dramatically different than a lot of the places that you know in the Bronx. That upbringing, you know, left me a bit dysfunctional, I would say, and as a youth and, you know, kind of a bit, um, you know, frustrated and angry. So as my, as I was coming through junior high and high school, you know, I wasn't exactly the best student in the world and actually ended up uh, dropping out of school for two years when I was in high school and spent two years out of school and had the good fortune one day of remembering something that a teacher had said to me about not wasting your life. And, you know, I kind of realized that I was wasting my life. And I went and enrolled in a GED program, one that you actually studied in like an adult education program when I was, um, must have been towards the end of my 17th year. And, you know, that, that was sort of a life changer for me. I got my GED. I never officially actually graduated from a, a real high school, but I got my GED you know, enrolled in, in community college. It was the only college I really knew about. I didn't, I didn't really realize there were lots of other colleges to go to. And then, you know, got into FIU. And that, that kind of changed sort of my view of the world and opened up a world that, you know, I really didn't know about. So um, education, you know, for me, it was rocky, really rocky, you know, during my uh, junior and, and high school years for certain. But, you know, once I was able to, you know, get myself into college, I worked through college myself and I worked as a, as a busboy at International House of Pancakes and did, you know, I worked as a security guard on the midnight shift at a, a condominium and, you know, went to school all day. But once, once I got to a university, it was kind of like this great opening that suddenly I saw and got exposed to things that I never really knew existed. 
And it, it kind of created a curiosity level in me that I think really helped me. But also one of the things that I always talk to you know, kids about is an education can change an entire generation. If I look at, you know, how I live today, you know, and how my son has grown up versus, you know, how I grew up, education made all the difference in the world of being able to live a completely different life. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a bit of my, you know, background. I, I'd be happy to delve into it some more, answer any questions that you might have about it if I can, uh, if I could do that. Yeah, I'm wondering, if you didn't drop out for high school for those two years, do you think you still would have um, become the CEO of a banking company or would have, like, it affected your decision more or made you go to a different college in the first year? Yeah, you know, it's a great question because life has a funny way of teaching you the right lessons at the right time. You know, and a lot of times things happen to you that at that moment, you know, appear really negative. But it also has a way of delivering very, very important messages to you and things that you can learn from. So you you could probably say I'd still be the same person and probably capable of the same things. But I think that also those changes that I went through at that stage of my life, it's sort of the depth of, you know, really feeling like, you know, I was not a productive person that I, you know, I wasn't going to be kind of a winner you know, in the world taught me some determination. And, you know, and I think it, I think it gave me a level of humility and an ability to kind of interrelate to different types of people at all sorts of different levels that I think has helped make me more successful, you know, in the long run. And I I think a lot of times adversity is never fun when you're in the middle of it. You know, there's no doubt about that, but Adversity is also a tremendous builder of character, and it teaches you a lot of important lessons that later as you look back on life and as your life goes on and 10 years go by, 15 years go by, 20 years go by, you know, you can look back at these things and and they really build, you know, some resiliency, you know, in you because a a lot of what happens, and I, I see it in my career, I see a lot of talented, smart people. But they sometimes they lack the, the mental toughness and resiliency to fight through adversity. They sort of give up. And I think when you've been through tough times, when you've grown up under tough situations, when you've had setbacks that can make you kind of question your own you know, self-worth, at least I question my own self-worth at that time, you know, if you can get to the other side, it builds character in you that would not have been built otherwise. So I can't look back at that and say, those were some bad periods of time, but I can't look back at that and say, you know, I really regret that it went that way because every one of those scars has helped kind of build the person that I am today. Yeah, it's like a learning curve. It's a big time learning curve. You're exactly right. When you were going through high school, did you have any hobbies that like kept you happy or cheerful during the times, those hardship times? So I would say sports and reading were really the two things. You know, we didn't really have any money, so there wasn't much I could do, you know, that cost any money, though. But those were the two things that really, you know, were kind of my fundamental basis that I tried to, to you know, to build my time off of. At that time, 
Miami did not have a basketball team. So I, I was a huge New York Knicks fan. And, you know, these names probably aren't, you know, familiar to you, but, you know, guys like Walt Frazier and Earl the Pearl Monroe and Bill Bradley and Willis Reed and Dave DeBusher and all of those guys who played on the championship team in the Knicks were my guys. And I used to, I used to love to watch those games. Those were in those years that I was growing up is when the Miami Dolphins had championship Super Bowl seasons and had the undefeated season and whatnot. So I, I play ball a lot. You know, I play ball every day, either basketball, football, or baseball, you know, really kind of every day. So love of sports and following sports, you know, was always something that I was uh, infatuated with. I would also say that reading helped me a lot. I was, I was a big fiction reader. And reading fiction, you know, as I look back on it now, is kind of an interesting thing because when you're reading fiction, you're building sort of a different reality around what you're reading, you know. And, and I found as a kid growing up in, in difficult situations, sometimes creating more positivity in my mind that I got from reading, it, it took me away, you know, and got me into other things and help me kind of escape from, you know, where I was at that particular moment. What do you like to do? I like playing sports as well. And yeah, I like watching and playing sports a lot. What's your favorite sport? I like lacrosse, baseball, basketball, football. I like all those. Okay, you got a pretty broad variety then. Yeah. Are the New York teams your favorite teams? No, I, I don't really like any New York teams. Oh, really? Oh, who's your favorite teams? In football, it's the Raiders. In baseball, it's the Mets. In basketball, it's the Raptors. Ah, you're a Raptors fan. Okay. I also watch a lot of college football, and I like Penn State. I want to go there. Okay. Nittany Lions. Yeah. What attracted you to those teams? Because it's such a, there's no geographic concentration in the group that you went through. Yeah. When I was growing up one time, I think my dad turned on a TV, and I saw like a Raiders versus Chargers game, and then they won on like, a Chargers missed field goal, so I started liking them. And in basketball, I don't remember how I started liking them, but I, I've liked the Raptors for like about five years. And in baseball, I became a Mets fan a couple years ago when I went to a bunch of games with my friends. And um, for the for Penn State, I don't really know. I just like the school and their team. Okay. Well, we got your Raptors player down here now, Kyle Lowry. We're happy to have him at the Heat. He's playing well. Okay, so Tom, I have a question, if you don't mind. Sure. As you shared your journey with us, it struck me that you talked a lot about academics and that there are a lot of other things that need to go into a child's education. From your perspective, what does a holistic education need to look like for children today? You know, I I would say the, the thing that I find most helpful about breadth of education is I think in order to be successful, you have to be able to think through a lot of very different concepts. For virtually every single job and career path in the world, you know, you're, you're encountering thousands of different people in situations and people from different backgrounds and different countries and cultures and religions and ages and, you know, everything. And, and I think that I, I find in my career and the career of other successful people, that when you have a broader education that touches upon a number of different areas, you know, your ability to relate 
to people, it becomes much stronger. You know, when you're very narrow around any one given topic, your ability to work with other people, understand other people, you know, understand what motivates them, you know, get to know them as people is significantly worse. When you work with people, if you like people and you want to be in businesses or careers where you're interacting with people, you know, a breadth of education is really important because you have to know something about history, people, culture, arts, sports. I mean, if you're too narrow, you just can't relate to people well. And Josh, you seem like a a young man that's going to be very successful in your life. You're obviously very uh, bright. And I, I think when you broaden yourself from an educational perspective, then your ability to connect with people and understand them becomes, you know, so much greater. And it also is just a lot more fun for you. It really uh, opens up a curiosity inside yourself that makes you a lifelong learner. And it's part of the reason why I think the work that New York Edge does is so important because they, they, they expose kids to so much more than just, you know, sort of narrow fundamentals. So earlier you said that um, you have many offices in different places. And when you were young, you traveled through a lot of states to get and ended up in Miami. What do you think is the coolest place you've been to? Oh, wow. Coolest place I've been to in the whole world? Yeah. Well, that's um, that's a tough one. I've been fortunate to go to an awful lot of places. I would have to say if I were to pick one place that I thought was the most cool, it would probably be Florence, Italy. Hmm. Well, that sounds nice. Yeah, because of the cuisine, the artwork, the lifestyle, the architecture, the physical beauty, things surrounded by the Tuscan mountains. I would probably say Florence is the coolest place, the most intellectually stimulating place, without a question of a doubt, is New York City. Just your ability to be exposed to so many different kinds of things from a, a thought process perspective and so many different kinds of people in New York is is unmatchable virtually anywhere else in the world. Yeah, New York City, I think, is like one of the most diverse places in the world with a lot of different types of people. Yeah, the only place I would say that rival, I mean, I've been to London, which I think rivals New York. I've been to Hong Kong, which I think rivals New York. But those three cities in terms of the diversity of the people, the just everything that's there from art to, you know, everything. Those three cities are particularly special, but cool is different than that. Cool, I would probably say Florence. Tom, thank you so much for spending time with us today. There is one question that I would like to ask you that we ask all of our guests. If you could go back in time and speak to yourself when you were Josh's age, what piece of advice would you give yourself? You know, I I think the advice that, um, that I would give is regardless of what situation you're in, you have the ability to create your own future and never lose sight of bad things happening around you or negative situations that you can encounter in your life cannot shake who you are. And if you keep a firm vision of who you are and what you would like to achieve in your life, Nothing can ever deter that. 
Tom, we really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and insight, and we're so grateful for you uh, joining us today. Thank you. Josh, it was cool meeting you, man. Same here. I wish you all the best in the future. Josh, you did a wonderful job as co-host today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Formative. I'm your host, Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge. My co-host today was Josh from MS-175 in the Bronx. He was assisted by Jesse Cowan. Our guest today was Tom Cornish of Bank United. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. The show is produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore Lambert, post-production and original music by Garrett Tiedemann, production manager Gabriella Montekin, executive producer David Hoffman. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.